0: Let's jump right into it. James chapter 3, taming the tongue is what we're going to be talking about today. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for we know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you that we are going to be challenged and convicted, but also encouraged. God, I thank you that we're going to leave this place knowing you more. And we invite your presence in this place to change our hearts and touch our lives and help us to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you have ever made a resolution or, uh, you know, maybe tied a little thing around your wrist or your finger to help you remember to tame your tongue in some way, to help you remember? Anybody in here, have have you ever just tried, like, I need to be better about that? Have you ever tried that? And so James is talking about that. um, And he starts out actually talking about teachers because in his generation, just like some some people in our generation, there were a lot of people who wanted to, to teach the word of God and preach the word of God. And they desired that position. And he begins to explain that not many of you should desire to become teachers, because you have to know you're going to be judged more strictly. You're going to be held to a higher level of accountability. Number one, with with responsibility comes greater accountability. I have a a three-year-old son. He's almost four, and he loves Spider-Man. And he has this little Spider-Man toy, and he pushes. Anybody Spider-Man fans in here? I don't let him watch the movies, but he likes the little old cartoons, old old school cartoons, but we don't let him watch them anymore because they were giving him bad dreams. But he still likes the figurines. And so he has this one figurine, and he pushes the middle button on his chest, and Spider-Man goes. With great power comes great responsibility. And so all day long, I'm hearing that. With great power comes great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. So it's in here, um, but it's also it's a scripture. It's biblical. And they might not say it like that, but says it a little different. In Luke 12:48, it says, "To whom much is given, much is required." In other words, if you want a platform, if you want your, in, your level of influence to increase, if you want to teach or preach the word of God or be successful in politics or business, you have to know that you're going to live in a bit of a fishbowl because all eyes are going to be on you and you're going to be held to a higher level of accountability. I think that we all have noticed the big Chick-fil-A drama because Dan Cathy said one thing and guess what? He's under a magnifying glass for that thing that he said, right? Everyone's talking about it. Because when you have a platform, when you have the ability to influence more people, God calls you to a higher standard in what you say. You have to be so careful about what you say because all eyes are on you, right? And so he's saying it's not that it's a bad thing, but you need to be able to know that when you desire more influence, when you desire a greater level to go to a greater level in any area of your life, you have to know you're going to be held to a higher level of responsibility and accountability, Um, He says, you know, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, right? Why would he say that? Because we all know that who's the only perfect man? Jesus is the only perfect man. So he's saying, no, no, everyone is at fault in what they say at some point or or another. We're not like Jesus. We're not perfect. God wouldn't make us humans and then expect us to be perfect. Wouldn't that be mean? Wouldn't that be kind of a cruel joke? Like, here, I'm going to make you human, but you need to be perfect. No, that's why we need a savior, right? Right? but our our uh, tongue is a great indicator of how mature we are God doesn't expect us to be perfect but just like an earthly father I don't expect my children to be perfect but I expect them to grow amen expect them to mature when I walk them down the aisle I guess I don't walk them down the aisle but Brandon when he walks them down the aisle uh, when they're getting ready to get married I I don't want to be changing diapers right beforehand I don't want them carrying a bottle with them. I expect growth. I expect maturity. I don't expect them to be perfect. They're going to make mistakes. But a great indicator of how mature you are is this thing right here. Because sometimes, some things come out of your mouth and you think, haven't I, haven't I grown a little bit more than that? I think we can all think about high school or middle school, and there was gossip, and there was drama, and there was things that came out of our mouth. And hopefully, we're adults now and those things don't come out of our mouths anymore, and we have a little bit more self-control. It's kind of sad to see some adults that maybe haven't gotten there yet, and you're thinking, why are they still talking like they're in high school? But we are going to be held accountable to the level of influence that we're given. And it's not just sometimes about what we say or the words that we use, but it's also about what we don't say. It's not just about what Pastor Ben preaches or teaches, it's also about what he doesn't teach or what he doesn't preach. Because it'd be one thing if we came to church every Sunday, and we felt so encouraged when we left, but we never heard any truth, and we never got challenged. That would be an issue, right? We need to be told the truth. We need to be told about some things that are maybe not necessarily easy to hear, but if we don't ever talk about sexual immorality in the church, and all we do is encourage people, we're going to be held accountable to God for that, amen? And I think that as as parents, if you're a parent in here, if you're not, then take notes for when you will be. We're held accountable, not just for what we teach our children, but what we don't teach our children. Amen? Many people want the promotion, but they don't want to go through the process. Many people want the platform. We, th- we see politicians, and all of a sudden, they're in the limelight, and this huge scandal comes out, and people are so surprised. Because, wait a second, wasn't this the same person who was so politically correct, and they had the right tie, and they had all the right words, and they had this great speech, and I don't understand why they did that to their wife, or the scandal came out, or they said this, or they were caught on tapes, you know, saying something, or, or you know, just saying something terrible, because it wasn't authentic. It was about managing their behavior, or about trying to put on an image of what they wish they were but not who they were authentically. And I want to talk to you this morning about how you can be authentically that person that you want to be. And authentically, l- words of life, life-giving words are going to be able to come out of your mouth rather than just trying to, you know, tie that rubber band around your wrist or make that New Year's resolution and, and, and white-knuckle it and try a little bit harder. But let's be authentic, genuine people of God. Amen? That is what God is looking for. He's looking for people who aren't just putting on the face. We're not just trying to say all the right words and do all the right things, but we, we do the right things and we say the right words because we authentically are. Amen? Number two is that be a good pilot. Define your destination. James, I love the analogy that James gives. He talks about how our tongue is like the rudder of a ship. And although that the waves of life come crashing, and, but it's the rudder, that steers the ship wherever the pilot wants to go. And in the Bible, when it's talking about waves or storms, it's usually indicative of a hardship or a trial. And I think that we could all probably think of somebody in our life, and they went through a trial, and they just got bitter. And they stayed in that trial, didn't they? And they became a victim, and it was everybody else's fault, or it was all their circumstances fault, and it was they never took responsibility. But then we see people who have been through either the same trial or something even worse. And how is it? We have people in our church who have been through so much, you wouldn't, even, you wouldn't even be able to guess it by looking at them. They go through the same thing, but they're better instead of bitter. And you can tell they're overcomers, and they speak life, and they encourage people around them. And you would never know by looking at them, or by the way that they talk, what they've been through. Because they were able, by using this thing right here, their little rudder, to steer themselves out of that storm, to steer themselves out of those waves that were crashing around them. I believe there's so much power in our tongue. Proverbs 18:21 says, death and life are in the power of our tongue. That's scripture, people, that's truth. Death and life are in the power of our tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. I think that the storms of life will come, but a lot of times we don't really know where our rudder is supposed to be directing us. And so therefore, we're not really using it to our advantage. We don't realize that we have this powerful tool that we can take advantage of to to dig ourselves out of that storm and to begin to to steer ourselves towards our destination. What's the first thing that you have to do when you go to Google Maps to try to navigate somewhere? You have to put in a destination, right? You're not going to get anywhere. It's not going to navigate you anywhere unless you put in that destination. And I think sometimes with the busyness of life, whether it be, you know, you're a mom and you're busy juggling many roles and trying to get your kids in line and to school and backpacks, or you're working and you're busy with working and juggling your relationships. I think sometimes we can forget why we're put on this earth. We can forget our purpose, can't we? It's easy to forget. It's easy to forget that God has a specific purpose for you and a specific character that he's trying to mold you into, a specific destination which is into his likeness. Amen? Amen. And sometimes I think that we forget about those things and we push it aside and we kind of leave it up to chance. Whatever happens, happens. We might not say that out loud, but that's kind of what we're doing if we're not directing our lives. Because your words have the ability to frame your world. Your words have the ability to frame your future if you use them in the right way. I think sometimes that we avoid maybe speaking life or defining the kind of father, the kind of, uh, you know, Husband or wife that we want to be, um, because we, we we kind of want to avoid looking like this guy in this video here. I deserve good things. I am entitled to my share of happiness. I refuse to beat myself up. I am an attractive person. I am fun to be with. Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley. Stuart Smalley is a caring nurturer, a member of several 12-step programs, but not a licensed therapist. I'm going to do a terrific show today, and I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. So there is a lot of self-help gurus out there that will tell you to, like, look in the mirror and tell yourself you're beautiful, or you can do it, or you can overcome, or you're victorious. And for a long time, my husband and I avoided that, like the plague. We just thought, that is so cheesy, that is so corny, I don't want to look like that guy, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do the whole positive affirmation thing. And we have a, a, a very um, well-known uh, friend, and he's achieved a lot in business in different areas of his life, and we really look up to him. We went over to his house, and guess what he had on his mirror? He had, like, positive affirmations, like, this is the kind of husband I am, and this is what I motivate people to do, and this is the kind of, you know, father I am. And we just kind of laughed to ourselves, like, of course he has that, of course. So we're laying in bed one night, and we're like, you know what, cheesy or not, you know, it's working for him. And so um, I was actually reading a book called The Respect, Dear." Um, at the time, and it is helping you to just, you know, learn what it means to respect your husband more, not that I don't respect him, but I just like to improve in every area, and so um, I'm reading this book, and uh, and it's talking about how you need to write down what kind of wife you see yourself being um, in like a year, and write down, so this kind of wife I want to be, I want to love like this, I want to serve like this, this is, you know, I don't want to keep a record of wrongs, this kind of thing, and write it out as if you already are, because I think sometimes when you say, well, I hope that I can be gracious, okay, that doesn't sound quite as powerful as, no, I am gracious. I'm a gracious woman of God. I'm a child of God. That has a lot more power to it. So they, they uh, encourage you to just write it out as if it already is. And the reality is Jesus did this, right? I mean, he didn't write out like a, a st- daily affirmations, but um, in Hebrews 12, it says that he spoke those things that were not as though they were. Isn't that powerful? That Jesus spoke that which did not exist as though it did exist so sometimes I think with the power of our words I don't want you to stand in front of the mirror okay I don't want to stand in front of the mirror I don't do that but I did write out so that I have a proper destination so that I know where I'm going as a wife and as a mother and I wrote down I'm a mother who, who um, leads by example I don't want to be a mother who just leads by words I'm a mother who leads by example I'm a wife who doesn't keep a record of wrongs. So if if me and my husband get into discussion, (laughs) no, I'm a wife. I don't keep a record of wrongs. A wife who doesn't keep a record. It's a lot more powerful than me being, gosh, I hope that I cannot hold that against him because I just hope that I can do that. No, 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 no. That's who I am. I'm just a woman, and I don't keep a record of wrongs. I'm a woman of character. I'm a woman of integrity. It's powerful to remind yourself of the person, maybe not that you are right now, but your destination, where you're headed. So if you need to write that out and put it on your mirror, you can write that out and put it on your mirror. I have it on my mirror, so I'm brushing my teeth, and I'm just looking at it. And when I go to my prayer time, it really serves as a great opportunity for me to be effective in my prayers. God, I thank you that you're making me a woman of character and integrity. And I just begin to pray some of those things that I want for my life, that I want for my character. Sometimes I think we go to prayer a little bit aimless, don't we? It's like, well, I think I'm supposed to pray for this or that or this is on my heart today. Well, sometimes we need to go to prayer with purpose. We need to be like Jesus to speak those things that are not as though they are. Maybe it's your marriage or your finances and it's really struggling. And Rather than just giving into that and just saying I'm never going to make it, it's never going to happen for me, my finances are never going to get in order, maybe you just need to begin to speak life and just say, Noah, God is greater. God is my provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. I know he's going to come through for me. And a lot of people are worried about being fake. It's like, I don't want to be fake, though. I don't want to be fake, though. I love Christina. She was in the first service here, and she's lost 43 pounds. And she got on this great health plan, and she created this blog uh, to document her journey. And she's very real in this blog. We should be very real at church. Absolutely we should be real. We should never be putting on a face. Uh, we, we should always have a free place to go to where we can say, hey, I'm struggling with this and I need prayer. But What I love about her blog is she'll be very honest about her temptation and her struggle that day. But she always ends, with, ends it with, I know I can do this. I know it's going to happen. I can't wait until I hit 100 pounds. I'm going to do a cartwheel down the aisle at church. I can't wait until I hit this mark and that mark. It's going to happen for me, and I'm not giving up. And she just begins to speak life with her words. Yes, she's real. Yes, she recognizes that it's hard, and there is temptation, and, and it's difficult. But it's just like Ezekiel, when he found himself in Ezekiel 37 in the Valley of Dry Bones. Does anybody know that story? It's like, yes, they're dead dry bones, Lord. What do you want me to do with these dead dry bones? And you know what God said? He doesn't even say, pray for them, hope, or wish they'll come alive he said speak to them you need to speak to that lifeless situation and and then Ezekiel says okay and he begins to speak life and 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 then there was a rattling in the bones and and then breath came in the bones and it's a pretty amazing story if you want to go to it on your own time in Ezekiel 37 but sometimes we just need to begin to speak life because our words have power. There was a girl that I also met who lost a lot of weight. I hadn't seen her in a while. And I said, how did you do it? And usually, you probably get like "Oh, South Beach diet, or I did this, or I was in the gym, I did Insanity. And she said, you know what? I ran into my aunt one day, and my aunt told me that I looked really good, and it looked like I had lost weight. And that was the first time in my whole life that I had heard those words. Because all my life, I had been called fat by my dad. And I never thought that there was any hope. And it felt so good to have that encouragement that it lit a fire inside of me. And I just started going to the gym and I started eating healthy. And then people really did start to notice that I was losing weight. And I began to hear it more often. And it just continued to spur me on. And she just had this journey of, of going in a different direction in her health because somebody spoke life. Somebody spoke words of life to her. I don't think often we come to church on a Sunday morning and we recognize that we have the ability through a single compliment that we could give to somebody to set the course of their life in a different direction. Maybe it's the course of their marriage. Maybe it's the course of their finances. Maybe it's not their health, but it's the course of their spiritual life that we have the ability through the power of our words, through encouragement or through prayer to begin to set that ship on a different direction. Amen? Parents, We have to be so careful with what we say, don't we? Because our words to our children weigh a 1,000 pounds. And if you're not a parent, you can take notes. Our words are weighty to our children. They mean so much. And I think probably every single person in here, you could probably think of a time when you were younger and you were a child that there was some words spoken over you. Maybe they were words that were life-giving, and they encouraged you. Maybe they were words that cut deep and you've carried those with you. I'll never forget Annie LoBear's testimony. She was a woman who spoke last year at our church who came out of prostitution. She was in prostitution for 11 years. And thank God, by the grace of God, she was delivered from that and God saved her. And she preaches around the world and, and shares the love of God with people and shares what God has done in her life. But her, her story. Everyone asks her how she got into it. And yes, there were some different lures of different guys, but she said her father spoke these words to her over and over again. You're a bad girl. You're a bad girl. You're a bad girl. You're a bad girl. Because she heard that so often, she just thought, well, I guess I am a bad girl. I guess I guess that's just what I should live up to. That's who I am. And she began to reflect that in her actions And she says, primarily, that was probably the reason she got into prostitution, because she just believed, I'm just a bad girl, and I do bad things. We're very careful with our son, well, with all of our children, to make sure that if they do something bad, we don't say, you're a bad girl or you're a bad boy. We say, yes, you did a bad thing, and yes, you made a mistake, but that does not make you a bad girl or a bad boy. We need to be careful that we don't associate those actions with their identity because they will live up to those things. And spouses, if you're in here with your spouse, doesn't your husband or your wife, their words weigh a 1,000 pounds? So much more than anyone else's. If you're engaged in this place, you care about that person, you care about their opinion a lot more than you care about anyone else's. It's like if you're wearing a shirt and your spouse doesn't like it, forget about it, right? It's like you're not going to wear it. It's not worth it, you know. They're the one that you want to impress. If everybody else likes your shoes, but your spouse doesn't, you think about that every time you put them on, don't you? You're like, "Well, I'm going to see him today. I'm not going to see him today. Okay, I can wear them. Okay, it's good." (laughs) But because we care so much about each other, we really value their opinion, and so we have to be so careful that we don't tear down with our words. That ladies, women, that we respect and build up and support. And we don't emasculate and discourage our husbands. And men, that you are actively encouraging your wife. Because it's pretty easy as a woman to get deflated in this media sensitized world about whatever, about our bodies, about anything. There's tons of comparisons around us. And sometimes we just need to hear from the man we love, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of life-giving words, amen? All the wives are like Amen, tell me I look good there's a, a father and a daughter that play softball together they throw it back and forth out in the tennis courts we live right across from them so we can hear everything that's being said over there and he, um, he tells her that he's she's worthless she's about nine or ten years old this beautiful young girl I don't think that's gonna help her pitch any better But it's the saddest thing to hear those words being spoken and to see them walking down the pathway in our complex and just tears streaming down her face because her dad's words weigh a 1,000 pounds. They're weighty. And if she finds herself at 17, 18, 19 years old and she lives a life that conveys worthlessness, who do you think is going to have to stand before God and account for that? That father is going to be responsible for the words that he spoke and the identity that he formed in his daughter. Words are so powerful. God's words have power, amen? God's word has power, amen? How many of you have ever been through a difficult time and it was the word of God that sustained you during that time? Raise your hand if that's you. I'm telling you, this thing is so powerful, when you are going through a tough situation, when you are going through a difficult time, when you don't feel loved by a human, you can read this book and read about the love of God. Like that song that we sing, His love never fails, it never gives up. It is powerful to begin to get His words inside of you. He spoke the world into existence by His words. Didn't He? He spoke and there was light. He spoke and there was darkness. He spoke and He formed man. And then He yet made us, in his likeness, and then he said, "Okay, now death and life are going to be in the power of their tongue. I'm going to give them authority because I made them in my likeness. So what they speak is going to be powerful." There is a scientist named uh, Masura Omito, and he wrote uh, he wrote a book called The Hidden Messages in Water. Now he's a scientist. I don't think he's a Christian, so if you go look up his book, I wouldn't expect it to be like super full of scriptures or anything like that. But to me. Um, You can go ahead and put the image up on the screen. To me, his studies, his scientific studies, to me, just emphasize that Proverbs 18 scripture, 1821, where it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what he did is he studied water at its molecular level. And so when words were spoken, he studied what was happening to the molecular structure of the water at that moment. And so this was the water before before the prayer was said. And then on the top right, that was the water after the prayer was said. This is when thank you was spoken. This was when you, uh, you make me sick, I'll kill you was spoken. And that was when love and appreciation was spoken. I think it's a powerful example that death and life are in the power of our tongue. That if something is shifting in the natural, when we're speaking words of life and words of death, how much more so is shifting in the supernatural realm and in the kingdom of God when we begin to speak life, when we begin to uh, find ourselves in the middle of those storms but we just say, you know what, my God is bigger. I can make it out of this. I can overcome. And you just begin to speak life over your marriage, and you just say, no, I'm not going to get divorced. He's not going to leave me. I'm not going to leave him. We're going to make it. God is bigger. With God, nothing is impossible. And you just begin to speak life. That's why we have pre service prayer at eight fifteen. We begin to pray and we begin to pray the presence of God would be in this place and that it would touch people and that marriages would be restored and and families would be united and and, and, and we we begin to pray life over people and and we, we we touch these chairs and we just pray, God, I pray that you would just bless this person who sits in this chair today. What are we doing? We're just speaking life. We're just shifting the atmosphere a little bit so that when people come in here and they've had a hard day and a hard week, and they can come in here and walk into this atmosphere and say, Wow, there is something a little bit different about this place. It's, it's full of life. People are encouraging. You've got people like Caleb up here who's just like a big teddy bear and, and he's just funny and, you know, and it's just different. It's an encouraging atmosphere. Number three, examining the fruit will show you the root. Luke 6.45 says that out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. So when something comes out of your mouth and you just say, that, that is ugly fruit. I don't know where that came from. It's really an indication of what's going on on the inside. If you have a cold and you have symptoms and you're sneezing or you have dry eyes, it's just a symptom of what's going on on the inside of your body, isn't it? That's how our words are. Our words are showing us what's really going on on the inside. And We had a a man who was a leader in our old church, and he came and visited Brandon at his job, and he um, was working at a car dealership at the time, and he wanted to buy a car. And the whole time, he was cussing up a storm. He was rude to people. He was just uh, not like he was at church at all. And he pulled my husband aside at the end of it, and he said, Hey, just don't tell Pastor Benny about anything that happened here today. Because he was trying so hard to modify his behavior at church to make sure he's putting on the facade of who he wishes he was. But he's not authentically that person. So anytime he steps away from that environment, it just bad fruit comes out. And it's not about white knuckling it or striving. I mean, you never see a tree that's grunting and moaning, like, oh, i got to get this apple out. No, why does it produce an apple? Because it's an apple tree. That's just what it is. It's in good soil, and it's an apple tree, and therefore it produces apples. How do we authentically be that person that God created us to be? How do we get formed more in his image and become more like him? We spend time with him. We spend time with him. The disciples were unschooled ordinary men, but the people recognized that they had been with Jesus I don't know about you but I want that to be the testimony of my life I might not have the best pedigree or the education from Yale or the most talented or the most gifted I certainly can't sing but what if there was a generation of people and they say you know what I I don't know if they're you know schooled or educated I don't know about that but it just something about them I think they've been with Jesus when was the last time That you came to Jesus with no agenda. That you just turned on some worship music and you were just like, God, I just want to be like you. I want to be with you. I want to be in your presence. Make me more like you. And you didn't have a list of things to pray for. You didn't have a checklist. Although those are fine for sometimes. When was the last time that you just spent time with Jesus? My husband made me a beautiful gift. It was a book of all the different encouraging words from friends and family. And um, I was really blessed to see that most of them just talked about what a good mom I was. And I I was surprised by that, but really blessed by that. Because I'm not making a list of all the things that I can do to, to show people that I'm a good mom every morning. And I get asked advice about certain things. How do you do this? And how do you handle that? And all that's fine. But the best advice? To be a good parent is to spend time with Jesus because you're going to become more like him the more time you spend with him. You're going to just take on his character. And all of a sudden, you don't need as many of those moments where you take a step and you have to take seven seconds in the bathroom. Take a deep breath. Okay. And then you come back out. and I got to respond right. and I got to think about what I... Those moments will become less and less as you spend more time in the presence of God because he's a gracious God and you'll become more like him and you'll be more gracious it's the best thing you can do as a parent. Would you go ahead and stand with me as we close? We can have the band come up if you would like. As I was praying this week, I was just thinking about the different words that may have been spoken over um, some of you, when you were a child, or maybe when you're older, maybe it was a, a spouse or somebody that you cared about deeply, just spoke some words over you. And I just felt like there were some people maybe that you needed to get set free from those words, that you needed to just let go of those words and just say, you know what, that's not me. And begin to speak truth and begin to speak life. The Bible says that the devil's a liar, that he's the father of all lies, and that that is his native language. So if somebody has spoken something over you that brought death, it was just a lie from the enemy to try to keep you down, to try to prevent you from fulfilling the God-given destiny that you have. But the good news is that we have a Savior who already conquered the grave, conquered sin and death over 2,000 years ago. Amen. Is anyone excited? I'm excited that I don't have to be perfect, but I have a Savior because we all need one, amen?